with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles, the original Ghost Chronicles. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone, Van Helsing. And with me, my co-host, the queen of pain, Maureen Wood. Hey, how you doing? Just like old times again, huh? I know. It's always yeah. great, Ron. Yeah, it's 20 years or so now, so that's pretty good. I know. Anyways, uh, we have a good show. First of all, I want to say today's show is brought to you by uh, our very good friends of uh, Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon, including our newest member, uh, Ed Stevenson. So, Ed, welcome aboard. And uh, you too can become a member of uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, Radio on Patreon. You'll have access to oh, 40 videos that are on there now, some exclusive only to our Patreon members. And uh, Ghost Chronicles, the magazine, is also on there as well, which is, is our gift to you as well. So, anyways, not on our show, we have somebody who Maureen and I we're debating if we had on the show before because the name is so familiar. But yes. she is a paranormal author. Her name is Michelle. I'm going to say this right, hopefully. Hamilton. Is that correct, Michelle? Yes, it is. Thank God, I got it right. I am notoriously for mispronouncing names. So Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, I know it. Most of my co-hosts won their guests before I even get on but Michelle, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Now, you've never been on before, right? I don't believe I have been. I, I was searching my memory. I don't think I've been on the show before. Now, okay. I, it, it, your name does sound so familiar. I know you're a friend of mine on Facebook, so I think you were a friend before I asked you to come on the show. Uh, but uh, I, I know that you are, but it, it's so weird. It's, you've got, you just sound so familiar to us for some reason, so. Anyways, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So, Michelle, uh, your newest book is out, which is, uh, this is where I screw up totally, Haunted Virginia? Correct, Haunted Virginia, and also my other, I've had two books this year, so Haunted Virginia and Virginia's Ghosts and Legends, Volume 1. There you go, Virginia's Ghosts and Legends. Uh, so, are you from Virginia? I'm originally from California, but I have lived in Virginia for the last eight years. Oh wow, the Cali girl, huh? Yeah, I I I I, I joke that we're economic refugees from California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sad but true, right? Whereabouts in California did you live? I I was from San Diego. Uh, so okay. I graduated from San Diego State University with my master's in history in oh, cool. 2013, and so I came to uh, Virginia in 2014. And when I grew, I was born and raised in California and never really liked it. But um, I did start working at the um, Whaley House in Old Town, San Diego, where I learned to combine my love of history with also my love of ghostly history. Oh, wow. That is so cool. Yes, because the Whaley House is uh, well known for its paranormal activity. Now, so you are a history buff 
And how did you get involved in the paranormal? Is it from working at the Whaley House or, or did you have experiences prior to that? I, I I was one of those weird kids where I, I was more interested in, in horror scared me, but I was interested in ghost stories. And growing up in the in the mid 90s, you know, you would only watch the ghost stories, the ghost shows when they came out of Halloween. And, it, you know, it, it frightened me, but also interested me. But um, right around the time I started working at the Whaley House, I started wor- reading um, the books of Hans Holzer, um, Troy Taylor. And that is where history, um, history and the ghost started to, to kind of meld. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I have to ask. So Ron and I both, we've co-written a couple of books. But the question I was three. thinking about. Three. Yes. Sorry. Um, Don't <laughs> <laughs> but the question I have is I know that some of the stories almost seem to write themselves, right? I mean, I know that we say that, but some of them just seem to flow easier because maybe we have a, a connection to them or it's just they piqued our interest even more than some of the others. Do you have a couple that are your favorites out of the stories? The, the books I've written, um, my yes. favorite would be, my, my first book would be, I was I Will Still Be Drowned in Tears. Um, that is spiritualism and, and Abraham Lincoln's White House. That one uh, took me five years to write, but that was very much a labor of love. And one of the my, more easier books to write um, was the a booklet I did on Mary Washington, where I work at now. I'm the manager of the Mary Washington House in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And that book um, was three years of research, but actually when I sat down to write it, it actually took me two weeks to write, which was the biography on Mary Washington. Oh, that's amazing. And that two weeks, that's quick. (laughs) It's a a booklet. So at at that time, it was pretty much everything we knew about her, but that book was one of them, probably the easiest book for me to write. Well, see, your passion was there though, right? Yes. Perfect. How many books have you written? Uh, I've written and, or edited about, I think I'm on eight or nine. Oh, God bless you. That's good. That is very yeah. good. Yeah. I, I saw the one on the, on the White House. With, uh, and, and that one really intrigued me for some reason. Um, I, I have Now, how do you research a book like that, for instance? That book, uh, again, that one came out in 2013, so so it took me five years to write, so I started that about 2010, and it was the basis of my master's thesis. That one, um, again, I think it took so long. One is because um, when I was writing that book, a a lot of primary sources had not been digitized yet, and so I was in California, so I had to do several trips into Springfield, Illinois, Washington, D.C., and just a lot of hunting through eBay to find rarer books. It's easier now for me to write some of my books because things like Google Google Books and um, also um, the, the digitization, they, they can't talk today, of, <laughs> of um, primary newspaper articles was something that was not there in 2011 to 2013 when I wrote my first book. Yeah, the Internet is, is really... Uh, uh, helped a lot of writers, but uh, you know we were just talking on the international show, Steve Parsons and myself, and the problem with the internet is that there's so much erroneous information out there. You know, uh, you know a lot of people, like for instance, I always throw that out because it's one of my pet pieces. Some people will quote Wikipedia as is an absolute truth, and and a lot of the sources on wikipedia is really not that good and there are errors on it so 
unfortunately, if you don't get your your stories correct, then those stories will be uh, retold, uh, which happens very often, uh, by other authors and, and other people. And that information that was originally erroneous becomes the truth because it's been repeated so many times. Do you do, have you had run into that problem or not? All, all, all the time in, in both my world of ghosts and also working at the Mary Washington house, the Whaley house, and it would call, you know, like the game of telephone. Wikipedia is useful, but you have to go down to the bottom and look at the sources from Wikipedia and then go from there. But yeah, it's um, exciting for you. But yeah, there's it's getting better. I think the populace in the last year is getting more better informed in general. There's been a large uptick in interest in history and also in interest in history of the paranormal. I think people are starting to get a little more savvier and are starting to look outside the box and look at the sources again because the uh, the what is now being produced on the internet is is so good. Yeah, I hope so. The well, uh, I- Go ahead, oh, sorry, Ron. Well, no, oh. I was going to ask, like, so um, I really I wish I was invited recently just to let you know. Um, so I want to do some digging and look up some information. But for those listeners that are really want to hear more about your books, um, maybe for the most recent ones or whichever one you think would be uh, something they should start with. Could you describe how it's set up? Like, what do you have? Do you have different locations that's haunted stories? Is it um, different time periods in, you know, certain or one time period extending to the end, another time period? So uh, I'll talk about uh, Virginia's Ghosts and Legends. That one came out at the beginning of the year, and that is a selection of about eight ghost stories um, uh from the state of Virginia, and it cover, covers everything from Jamestown, Williamsburg, to the Fredericksburg area in Spotsylvania. So that one is more of a more of a time jump and also more of a location, and that will be a part of a series. So I want to cover more stories throughout throughout um, the Commonwealth of Virginia. So that one is kind of the more the, the traditional ghost book of collections of stories. And my second book, Haunted Virginia, that is a collection of, it starts from 1860, it goes to 1899, and it is newspaper articles printed in Virginia of ghosts, of of paranormal occurrences that were happening at the moment. So it is a contemporary um, source of ghost stories. Oh, that is so cool. cool. I I absolutely (laughs) love that stuff when... Because it gets you back in the mindset of the people who actually, uh, you know, witness this phenomena. What, how, you know, if you read the articles, it, it's really intriguing. Oh, I love that stuff. That That's great. Th- that's your latest book? Yes. And that covers everything from Ginny White hauntings to hoaxes to uh, um, some of the one of the, the, the creepiest um, ghost accounts I've ever seen is, is in this book. Um, it's from my is from Fredericksburg. And um, there's a property, it's a museum now called Kenmore, and it was built in the 1700s, and it was the home of uh, George Washington's only surviving sister, Betty. 
Mm-hmm. And during the Civil War, it was also used as a hospital. And this story, in this account, is in from from a local newspaper here in Virginia. And it recounts that there's two neighbors that were out talking, and their house was near the Kenmore Estate, and they were just just, just chit chatting in the morning. And one of them looked out and actually saw a man dressed in a Union soldier's uniform crawling across the the yard as if as if injured, and was trying to climb up on a a fence. And the gentleman and goes out to see ever he can help or what's going on and the per- and the man disappears right in front of him wow now i have to ask is that something that's been cited only spotted only once or was it something that was like yearly or i asked that because we know that there are certain times you see like a parade go down the street every date on this time almost like it was a movie reel um so it's just one time from what i know this has been a one-time only occurrence um at, at that location you know i mean uh those sightings are, are, are simply amazing because oh, absolutely. whether whether it's uh, a, an impression or a time slip or, or whatever, it, it's it's so realistic to the per- person uh, witnessed it. I, for instance, we do a lot of work up here with the Wyndham restaurant, and I know when the one of the owners was there, uh, she was uh, waiting on different people, not waiting, but, you know, uh, seating them. And she saw a man on the stairs and he fell down the stairs and she ran to help him. And there was nobody there. And but it was so clear that, you know, she stopped what she was doing to run over and it was gone. So that's those are really compelling and, and amazing stories. And in my in my book, Virginia's Ghosts and Legends, I've tracked down what I think is my and my local area, Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg's oldest ghost story in the days to the early 1800s, where a gentleman, John Minor, he's a politician. Uh, he was in Richmond at the time, so this is a cr- classic crisis apparition. He was in Richmond at a political dinner. He he actually drops dead uh, drops dead while giving a speech. And oh. his family in in Fredericksburg, which would have been a day's travel away, actually saw him return home at the moment of his death, and they saw him at two of the family homes. Wow, yeah, that's, that's the connection cool. of love that you typically have seen in some stories, right? Um, that's amazing. So you have like I know I don't know Ron if you and I had talked before, but you know like you might have I'll tell my clients a lot of times that you'll have for instance you know say a husband's gone fishing with his buddies out you know when he's gone away and the wife's woken up at a certain time at night or in the early morning and the husband's standing there soaking wet and is kind of saying goodbye. So mm-hmm. that's usually one of the, the kind I hate to say common but happens quite a bit. Well, the number one sighting of spirits are what I call messenger spirits. You can call them crisis spirits as well. But uh, those are someone who has just died, and they either come yep. back just to lo- let you know they're okay or just to see that you're okay. Um, it happened to my mom at a family cookout. My dad passed away without ever saying goodbye. And that night, my mother was in her uh, bedroom, and uh, you know she didn't believe in ghosts and any of that stuff. And my father uh, came in and he was all dressed up in a suit and everything. That's the way he showed himself to her. And of course she screamed and he disappeared. But, uh, <laughs> you know, she swears. She swears. Well, I don't know. I thought that'd be cool. You know me. Well, yeah, but you, whatever. You investigate. You're intrigued to be investigating. Your mother just wasn't expecting it. No, so yeah. yeah, especially the loss that day of her, you know, partner of over 50 years. So, so Exactly. So, but yeah, that's very common. You're you're right, uh, Michelle. Now, 
I can tell that you love history too, and since that's your your major too. Uh, but when you go into the story, is it the history just as much as compelling as the paranormal to you? Or yes. Is it, His, yeah. History. History comes first. Um, I, I am a professional historian, so I always have to I work hard to keep my two interests at bay. Um, kind of, mm-hmm. and so I'll, I'll, blend, I'll blend them together. One is a one is a porn, but I'll keep them separate also. Um, so yeah, I, I am a credited historian, so history comes first. Perfect. Now at the Whaley House or um, Mary Washington House, do you do tours as far as talking to people about spirits as well, or is it histor- you know basically the history? When I worked at the Whaley House, and I'm no longer with the Whaley House, and I have to put a caveat that the Whaley House has changed, and the organization that I was trained, um, the Save Our Heritage organization, they have lost um, the, the the contract to run the Whaley House, so there is a new organization, and I don't know what their plans are, but when uh, I worked I at the Whaley House, we did a blending of both, because at that time, and we still are, we were known as America's Most Haunted, and so we got our largest attraction was for people coming for the ghosts we made sure that they got history before they left now at the at the mary washington house we are we are history based now or someone asks about some of our spooky stories and what happens at the property or at our sister museums we'll tell them then but it's only when they ask for it um we have had a few paranormal investigations at the Mary Washington House and are looking into maybe doing more for Halloween, but largely at the at the Mary Washington House, we were history-based first. Ah, uh, okay. So so we need to sneak somewhere out on a blog that you got to ask, right? <laughs> That's not it's, it's not, we're not, you know, we're not parading it around, but also we're friends. Virginia, we're Virginia everywhere is haunted. It's just, you know. Right. Yeah, I think most theories are. I mean, we were uh, we did a lot of, uh, I guess, cooperation work with the the uh, um, what's the name of that place? The old mansion uh, Concord, which is was uh, Hawthorne's uh, house. What's Hawthorne, right? Uh, Hawthorne and yes, uh, Hawthorne. Right. There's also the North Bridges on the property where the, the first shots of the American Revolution were fought. Uh, and so at that time, the, the director that allowed us to do ghost hunts and so forth there. And we blended the history and the uh, and the, the paranormal. And uh, but eventually he was replaced. And now the new groups don't want anything to do with the paranormal. So you, it, it depends on who's running the property, uh, which is a shame because the paranormal can actually raise a lot of money for a certain uh, properties that are in dire uh, need. It is, but also, and I, I understand seeing some of the, not hardships, but difficulties running the, the Whaley House. It is, one first, the paranormal still is a belief system. Uh, so we have to deal with the belief system, either religious or not, of, of who is controlling it. And also, okay. I understand, also, because, you know, you, the, the Hawthorne, that property is right next to the National Park Service. And the National Park Service has a no-ghost policy because they are there for history. They're there for preservation. And because there are people who want to come after hours, that they want to treat it as their playground, who want to either vandalize or, or occasionally oh, they, they want to do their rituals yeah. or whatever to summon um after hours i mean every couple of years we do have an abandoned property get burned down because somebody decides to light a candle on the ouija board um so it is understandable on both ends that um 
it, you know, it can bring in some good, but it can bring in a lot of money, but it also can bring in some less desirable elements too. Right. right. Yeah. Like I'm, a, I'm on the, uh, the, uh, the board of directors for the friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. We manage the Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse and we own Whaleback Lighthouse and we have raised thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for the preservation of the lighthouse. So it is a good thing. Uh, but you're right. There are some people out there who are not doing, uh, they don't have the respect for the, the history or the property, which is really the sad part. And, and they ruin it for a lot of other people who do have that interest in both history and eternal. Yeah, that sounds, you know, I can hear my mother's voice saying one bad apple spoiling the best, the rest, you know, <laughs> the bunch. Yeah. yeah, that's that's so true. In that's me. too bad. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, because uh, you brought it up, uh, Michelle, about the Ouija board. Uh, and, and you did some research, I know, at your White House book on uh, the seance and stuff. Uh, spiritualism and the Ouija board they kind of, I was going to say go hand in hand, but really they're more of the same era. Um, what's your thoughts on the Ouija board? I personally don't use it. I know I have a team member who is more experienced in it, and she will occasionally use it. I don't. I don't. I don't use it. Um, uh, and also, the, the, I'm more fascinated by the history of the Ouija board than actually the practice of it. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, spiritualism starts in the 1840s. Um, they do start using a planchette first to try to yep. um, to, to use it, and they will stick a pencil in the planchette, right and, in the planchette, um, yep. and it, it becomes extremely popular after the Civil War. There's a huge planchette mania where people are buying them very cheaply, um, and they're mass produced. They could order um, order a planchette from a, a, a cow uh, out of an ad from their magazines. And then by the late 1800s to the 1900s, the actual Ouija board, the Parker Brothers proper, um, uh, uh, design comes out. That is, is now the quintessential Ouija board. And then mm -hmm. it goes through a big uh, popularity in the 1920s. Um, in fact, there's even a Norman Rockwell um, illustration on on oh, there's several on actually. Saturday post <laughs> oh, of 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 um, two lovers using a Ouija board. And then it's funny in the 1920s, it was used as a dating tool versus a actual com uh, oh, uh, because yeah, the, the two look at creative. The, the boy and the girl had to sit knees to knees, but their knees yeah, together the thing. and put yep. the board on their lap. So oh, wow. that was one way for them to 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 have have bodily contact. So mm -hmm. it was much more of a dating ritual than than maybe um, and even the um, the the uh, the uh, American Talking Board Society for for this year on for uh, Valentine's Day produ produced a number of um, images from their collection where there was Ouija board Valentine's Day cards that could be given and they were very popular in the 1920s. Oh yeah, yeah. Master so <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I am good friends with uh, all all that group. Uh, Robert Riches, I've known him for over twenty years, and uh, there's several collectors up here of the major collectors, and also the planchette expert in Texas, whose names I can never remember. But yeah, we actually uh, helped in the uh, uh, getting the the gravestone for uh, uh, Bud, right? Is it Bud? I I can, you know how I ruined names, who uh, was one of the ones that patented the Ouija board. But yeah, it's uh, the Ouija board is fascinating. And I've what seen illustrations. That's a beautiful headstone. Yeah. 
and uh, well, I was part of that, so I feel good about that. But anyways, the uh, I, I was going through my in-laws book, uh, photograph books today. And uh, as I did, I came across some old black and white shots. And there they are, the group of the adults in a, a party atmosphere, I guess it would be, they're a gathering and they're doing the Ouija board. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Now, so it was accepted more as a, uh, a, parlor, uh, a parlor game than uh, the evil thing that it's, it's uh, you know, considered now in so many circles. I think it, it's real, starts, it really starts around the 1960s, 70s that the Ouija board becomes more, more evil. And that's, that's definitely pop culture um, starts having that, that impact on it. Well, for me, um, I think it's who's controlling the Ouija board, right? So if someone's using it and they're using it like a tool, like any tool it could, in the wrong hands, it could be dangerous. Exactly. Right. Like at, my, at my properties, I will not allow anyone to use it coming in for investigation. I tell them really? that comes comes in, it's going out the door, and they're going out the door with really? it. Really? Yes, because again, I don't know how they how I, I don't trust the operators. I don't know how they're using it, so I'm not going to have them open up anything stupid in in a in a, a two hundred year old museum. Okay, so you pretty much believe that uh, in evil spirits and uh, all that stuff, then demons and well she's been researching right exactly plus you're researching i can't imagine right well um, i can imagine that we're taking a break so we're gonna have to hold that thought right now so anyways yeah anyways uh you're listening to uh what are we oh ghost chronicles the original ghost chronicles right here on tojanet radio uh brought to you by our very good friends on ghost chronicles radio on patreon Become a member of the Dedia Society and join us on Patreon. Uh, you have access to over 40 exclusive videos and uh, Ghost Chronicles, the magazine. But anyways, uh, we're also brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Bethune, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the end of Massachusetts. And uh, we're talking with Michelle Hamilton, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, 
Thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. I just, I put it in chat because you think I know that long list of names. You have to give that to me if you want me to read it. You're going to be on this show more now, but, you know, just go back to the old days. Go listen to some of the early tapes. And (laughs) And we used to say, we're back. (laughs) You forget that? Yeah, fine. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles, uh, the original with Marmion Wood and Ryan Kolick right here on Tojanet. And our special uh, guest today is author, paranormal author, and historian. Uh, Michelle Hamilton. Welcome back, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. Now, uh, is there, what was the the most interesting uh, story in your, in your, uh, one of your your books that came out this year that, that you really uh, were fascinated by when you, when you wrote it? I was fascinated, and it's on the cover of my uh, book, Virginia's Ghosts and Legends. It's a picture of the With House from Colonial Willingsburg. And I was fascinated on researching the legend of the ghost that was supposed to haunt called Lady, Lady Jean Skipwith. And to investigate about how that story is, is um, well known in Virginia ghost books that Lady Jean Skipwith was staying at the property, and she caught her husband canoodling with her sister at a ball at the governor's mansion, and she stormed out and 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 was and lost a shoe across the across the um the green to go the the green um expanse uh to get to the house, and uh she uh, supposedly killed herself in 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 uh, the George With house by you know jumping over the banister, and uh, she is you know still seen there to this day and in the research that yes uh jean skipwith died young she died from complications from childbirth and it wasn't in in the with house yes her husband did marry her sister but it was 10 plus years after her passing Uh. and uh you know yes the with house could be haunted in in willingsburg but most likely being haunted by george with and his wife uh, the Mrs. Wyth did die in the in the house, and George Wyth was uh, murdered several years after he moved out of the house. He was poisoned by his his uh, uh, great nephew, who wanted to hasten him off quickly to get his inheritance because he was heavily in debt. But see, that's a, a clear example of where you had a story that uh, was erroneous, and you found the. Uh, you you proved that actually, and uh, 
you get plus you gave a, an alternative thing but you know this uh when we do investigations sometimes uh we we run into that with with, with people have uh, uh you know experiences and they'll, they'll look for what i call the famous ghosts and that is somebody who they think died in the house or somebody who like if it's george washington slept there must be george washington or whatever but they always look for the the most prominent or, or a common thing and sometimes it isn't sometimes it's just uh you know a lesser known person who owned the house at one time exactly and also when you're dealing with like in in, in virginia you know even let's see he's the mary washington house as an example is um you know, Mary, Mary Washington lived there from 1772 to 1789. Well, there was an owner before she moved into the property, and then after she lives in the property, the house would come is going to be um, be a private residence until it opens up in, as a museum in 1900. And actually, we still have people living on the property until the 1970s as caretakers. So oh, wow. we have these these, these very old properties. Oh, yeah. That yes, they they're famous for one person or one period, but we also will have two hundred to three hundred years of occupancy on the on these properties. Yeah, so it could yeah. be anyone that you don't, unless you know specifically, you know, unless mm -hmm. you're getting that info. So you mentioned a couple times in the show about your group. Are you are you you in a paranormal group? Is that correct? I am. I'm, I, I just joined this year. I am at the, Associate, the Association for Paranormal Research. I work at Alex Mazio. Um, I'm, the, I'm the group historian. So we're based in the Virginia, North Carolina area. Okay. And, and you, you, what type of cases do you handle? Well, so far, we're just because um, we we primarily will do a couple of investigations a year, um, mainly at at locations that are already known to be haunted. Uh, the group uh, in June did the Cabinet 360. Um, I wasn't able to go. And then a month later, we did the Ginny Wade House and the uh, orphanage in Gettysburg. Oh, that's pretty cool. So let me ask you this, since you are the historian and you go to these houses that are have been known to be haunted is how do you separate you know like the the legend from the 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 true facts in other words when you go in are you expecting what everybody else is in other words it's the ghost of Mary whatever mary washington or are you uh, going in more open-minded and and trying to discover for yourselves what is what are the reasons behind the hauntings we're definitely going open-minded because I don't I, I don't expect the big ticket person to be always on on the on the list and also it's very conceited of ourselves to expect to go somewhere and instantly that ghost is going to be available on their social calendar. <laughs> yeah, very true. And you know, Michelle, so as far as when you do go out, I'm assuming you go out investigate and then follow up and do the history of the location or then you know or someone or interviews on the side. Right. I, I, I tend to do the history first because I want to know what we're walking into. Okay. And also, so far, the places that we've investigated, I'm very well aware of the history of, like, say, the Ginny Wade House and the Orphanage because that is just places that have fascinated me for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do try to read both in the paranormal and the historic literature, so I am kind of aware of, of both. So I, I, I go in with a knowledge of, of the vast history of the property. Now you go in with now. Do you have a medium that works with you as well as in the team? No, well, no, we don't have a medium. We don't have a medium. Okay. 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 You know, it's one of the things I like to do, and as I have a, a love for history, uh, 
especially military history, but I love all history. I have a, a minor in history, but, uh, but um, you know, I like to investigate places that I know nothing about, just a historical location. And I go in and just do my investigation. And then we'll go and try to research the property and into, you know, plus see if it correlates with anything, uh, any evidence we get, if there is, is any. But sometimes I'll go to places where there's no reports of paranormal activity or whatsoever, just to explore the place and try to, uh, you know, because I wanted to ask you, I'd have to, I'll have to go in, this, you can go to a place and you can read energy in a place without spirits do you agree with that or or is it just you think that uh you know it has to be a, a spirit at a place that that otherwise you couldn't read energy i think every place has an energy to it i mean you believe in ghosts and everything has the potential to be haunted and and also in in any way that you know what works for for you is is you know it's fine i don't think there's there's one way to to do it to do anything Excellent. Yeah. Right. Can That's I answer good. that? <laughs> but obviously, whatever floats your boat. I mean, if you want to go in there with absolutely no knowledge, that's perfectly fine. I like to go in a little bit more because no. I try to like to at least at least know at least at least have something to talk to them about. Oh no, right. but you don't. Here's the thing: you don't like Ron was saying. Like I mentioned and asked about the medium because since you currently don't have a medium with you, uh, Ron used to keep me blind when I was going into locations because this way I didn't have the chance to be looking up. In case you didn't know. Um, Michelle Maureen's a, a medium too. I'm sorry, I read your books. Yes. Yeah. So, so I would be, you know, kept in the dark, so to speak, um, to go out to a location in this way, you know, he'd just say, you're going to New Hampshire, we're going to wherever. And we would go there and then I'd find out where we are And this way. I mean, I knew that I wouldn't go look it up, but then it keeps everybody else honest as well, knowing that that's the way we had done it. Right. Um, so that was one of the questions I asked. But as far as can I answer that question, Ron, about the energy when you asked Michelle? Why is your name Michelle? Uh, no, I asked, I'm asking <laughs> yeah, if I can add to that. Can. Of course I'm, you do. It's a conversation. Well, I know, but I'm saying it because I'm, it's coincidentally tomorrow night. I'm actually teaching a class in Essex, Mass at True North, which is psychometry. And so basically, it's going to. Yeah, well, it's going to get into not just holding objects, but everything has energy. So, I mean, you could place yourself mentally and in, uh, your intention into a location and tap into energy because everything has energy. We're all energy. You know, everything vibrates at a certain frequency. So the, the point is, is tapping into that and seeing what you get. So right. just wanted to add that. That's all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. Uh, but. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier uh, about the investigation the other day is that, you know, we brought Leslie, who was a medium, to a location. And basically, she just went around that location and wrote down anything she picked up. And then mm -hmm. after it was all over, we, we had uh, the curator to place, just take the list and go down the list, item for item for item. And uh, she had hit on everything that was on there. She, and this was so in order to do that, unless there was something in there that gave her uh, some impression, and we, we're talking about names as well, um, then she must have been reading something and there was no active spirits that we were aware of. So 
it yeah. must have been reading the energy of the place. That's what I'm saying. I, I Absolutely. That, yeah. And, and Michelle, let me ask you, you you've got to, you, you've been in these haunted locations. Now, you're not a medium. So do you feel energy when, when you go into a place? Do you feel a difference in the atmosphere, for lack of better terms? I, I would say yes. I mean, I've been in historic property. I mean, I, I, historic homes, you know, for, for years. I mean, I do kind of, I can, I freak my staff out. I can, I can hear things in the property that they can't. I know when people are in certain parts of the, prop, the house. I know, like, when the trolley is coming by and they can't hear mm-hmm. it. So you do kind of know. I know the sounds of the house. I know the sounds of the property in which I live in. Mm-hmm. So you, the that's an interesting you know uh, thing that you say that that's overlooked so many times that you see a lot of these ghost hunting groups they go in and they they go in for a place for a few hours and they, they say oh I got all kinds of things you know I heard footsteps I heard this noise I heard that noise or or I saw this light I saw that light but unless you you know spend some time in a particular location there there are each location has its own nuances that may be nothing to do with the paranormal, quite frankly. It might be just, uh, you know. I, I can tell the difference between, let's say, a pop that's just the house doing its thing to a pop mm-hmm. that may be a little bit more more than just a pop. Right. I can tell, that, you know, that what different time, you know, I've, you know, some of the staff will, will freak out when, when a door pops or something, and I'll <laughs> mind them as we're in the south or humid. I have to, you know, they go, oh, the door was left open. I'm like, yeah, I have to leave that door open. If not, I can't get that closet door open until November. <laughs> you know, it, it happened one time where I accidentally closed the closet door, and I couldn't get it open, and I, we needed to get something out of it, and I had to wait till the, till the, the humidity switch. Well, shrunk, and I could get the door open again. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> now, yeah, that's funny. So, have you ever witnessed any uh, physical activity yourself? Physical, no, but I've, I've, I've heard, I've smelled. Um, okay. Especially at the Whaley House. The most was at the Whaley House. But I, 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 I've heard audio. Um, um, I've heard voices and conversations at both properties I've worked at. Um, I've heard things knock over that when I went to go investigate what fell over, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard footsteps before when when there wasn't anybody there. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. So I Michelle. can't freak me out because that's my job and I have to be in these properties after hours and if I was running and jumping at everything, I would not, I'd be, I'd be in, in, in the loony bin. Well, see, Michelle, it's funny you say that because I was just going to ask you, like so many people think that a lot of this paranormal activity really only takes place at night. But um, I know that we've noticed that sometimes it's more when it's quiet. Sometimes you get it with people around. It doesn't I don't know that maybe at night we're so hypersensitive. We're focused. We don't have all these other things on our mind. But I don't necessarily think that that's the only time of day that you can hear or get connection with spirit. Now and for my current museum, we hear the most in the winter time because the house is the quietest, and we're one of the few museums uh, in the in the community that stays open um, all year round. So we hear stuff more in the in the winter time, and, or when there's a, a you know a lull, lull in in um, uh, people. Um, 
the day I had to lay off my staff during the pandemic. Um, uh, the house was popping and creaking in ways that it, I'd never heard do it before. Uh, they were probably irritated that there wasn't enough people around. <laughs> well, you know, just the emotion of me on the phone crying, um, sobbing with my True. staff. I have to tell them I have to dismiss them, and I don't oh, know what so they can do. Sure. No, that's we had to horrible. So they, we could let them get um, unemployment. Yeah, I, I, I'm so sorry for that. That's, that's yeah, fortunately we've got everybody back, but also this is a reminder that two thirds of American museums did not survive the pandemic. Really? Yeah, there that was the estimate. Two thirds would not survive, and I think and have some of them have have not reopened or have not re we have not reopened full. Um, so we were only open six days a week. We used to be open seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, all all museums have suffered. Um during the pandemic and now that we're going into an economic recession that is another danger period for american museums exactly i know at the lighthouse uh you know just our group alone in preservation we used to run uh in the summertime uh we would run tours every sunday and uh of course during the pandemic all the tours stopped uh, a lot of that had to do because it's on the coast guard base too that we, they enforce the regulations and stuff and we uh we have some in fact we've never recovered because we cannot open at that regular uh no time anymore we can we can have some groups come in at certain times to do tours but uh yeah it's it's definitely a drain on on groups like uh museums and and uh people who try to keep them going and stuff so i i empathize with you because most people think that um, our, our my organization, which is the Washington Heritage Museums, we're on we're on uh, for, um, Facebook. Um, you can see all of our sister museums. Uh, uh, we receive no state, local, or government funding. Most museums do not receive state, local, government funding. There's the myth because this is the Smithsonian and the National Park Service uh, because they rely on our tax dollars. That all museums are in the same boat. That is not the case. Uh, that's that's, that's sad. sad. That is yeah, very sad. Is. We don't preserve our history. That's that's the biggest sin in the world. If we don't preserve our history, which is irritating the heck out of me with all this new political correctness stuff now, because we are trying to erase the past, which is terrible because we won't learn from the past if we erase it. But anyway, moving on. So uh, any plans for new books, Michelle? I am working on a project about Ginny Wade, who was the only civilian killed in Gettysburg. I'm doing her a biography, but also looking into some of her ghostly legends too. She is a pretty, a pretty famous of uh, a ghost, um, in in a lot. I think she's probably as most famous as a ghost as she is for the reason that she lost her life. Um, so uh, and so I'm kind of interested in exploring um her her life and her afterlife. Oh wow. So that's a lot of research that goes into these books that you do. So I, I you know, I give you credit for that. Uh, it's not easy to write a book, as uh, it's not. I will attest. <laughs> Although so, we we have to admit that, you know, ours were nonfiction, so it was easy because it was based on our not easy. <laughs> Take that back. It, was, yeah, it wasn't easy. No, it was never easy. Uh, but. <laughs> Based on our experience, at least we had, you know, uh, film and, and audio and uh, so forth to uh, draw on that we could, you know, remember. Because it was funny, Michelle, and I think you would appreciate this, is we had thought certain things occurred uh, certain ways, and, and we believed that. And when we wrote the book and we re revisited them, 
and listen to the video or the audio that we realize, oh, that was not the way we, we remember it. And I think that's part of the problem with, with history is some people, uh, you know, they, they think things happen after they get farther farther away from the event, it, it kind of changes. Do you find that true? Oh, absolutely. Because the humans are, we are, we are horrible um, witnesses. Uh, we are horrible uh, eyewitnesses. As we, um, you know, uh, so it's fascinating on uh, something that we know how it happened. You know, it's like take something from like a, a battle, you know, or something. And we have five different witnesses and even in the same regiment and they have five different accounts of what they think happened. Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then you always... the police department, what they think. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> about witnesses i'm sure yeah, they say they get many different uh bits they're not of reliable we all know no. that yeah well i've, but, I've seen i've seen your puck video of, of, of oh god that's a sore subject that haunts me i'm just saying that's something that follows me around it just doesn't let me go you only see one of them. You never seen the the first one. <laughs> that was even worse. Oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we apologize for that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks, Michelle. <laughs> hey, in every day you could you could almost throw your coworker off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had so much fun you're, with you're, her. You're you're living the American dream. <laughs> You can beat someone up, they're fine. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> tackled yeah, that, me like a football player. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? You dislocated my finger and uh, <laughs> not, tossed me across the room before. So I, I oh, it was always your spirit. You got your licks in before. <laughs> it wasn't always me. <laughs> no, God, how do we get on that subject? <laughs> I don't know. Thanks, Michelle. Again, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a beacon of sunshine wherever I go. I know. I'm beginning to learn that. <laughs> so, uh, what made you write books, uh, Michelle? I mean, I, I can see your your interest in the history, your interest in the the, the uh, paranormal, but it's is a leap from you know just talking about it or being interesting and about it to actually putting the effort in to write a a good book. I think it's just the natural outlook of, of wanting to put the information out there. And also, honestly, you know, the day job doesn't pay that much. So you have to have <laughs> some side, side, you know. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about, you know, his, the, just, just expanding my career in, in both ways. Okay. Nice. So before I forget, and I want to make sure I get this end, is Michelle, if someone were interested in your books, uh, why don't you, first of all, list your books and tell, tell us, uh, tell our listeners where they can uh, obtain them. They're all on Amazon.com. You can look for my name, Michelle Hamilton, or Michelle L. Hamilton. Um, it's Virginia's Ghosts and Legends, Volume 1. I Will Still Be Drowned in Tears, Spiritualism in Abraham Lincoln's White House, Mary Ball Washington, Washington, the mother of George Washington, Civil War Ghosts, Virgin, Virginia's Haunted History, and they're all on Amazon.com. Oh, wow. That's excellent. Perfect. And- yeah, and uh, if someone wants to uh, get in touch with you, is there a, a way they can do that? I'm on Twitter at Michelle Hamilton at, at HistoryWiz1. I'm also on Facebook under Michelle L. Hamilton Author. Okay. And uh, now, what's the name of the museum again? I'm sorry, I, I forget my names. The, the, Mary, the Mary Washington House in Fredericksburg, Virginia. 
and our system is and our sister museums are the Rising Sun Tavern and the Humorous Apothecary Shop. Okay, now do you have any events coming up at those locations? We are in the process of planning to the fall, so please follow us on Facebook, either under our main main um, group, Washington Heritage Museums, or also under under each museum. Okay, excellent, excellent. Do you, so uh, when you say we are planning, is it uh, is it a group that that comes up with the events? Does each museum do their own events, or do we they we each have our own we we each have our own event, and as the ma- as the managers, we're all under one parent. Basically, Washington Heritage Museums is our parent, and then we're uh, as our organization, and then we as each individual property, we try to come up with our own. Oh, um, you know, there is um, definitely effort there for the Rising Sun Tavern. They're planning something um, probably in November. There's um, in the past we've had John Fraser night, which is commemorating the death of one of the tavern keepers, because his ghost haunts the property too. Oh, so cool! Yeah. The, 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 the um, tavern spirits are a little bit more rowdy. They're definitely our tavern crew. The Mary Washington House ghosts are more genteel. They're more of the tea drinking kind of ghosts. <laughs> oh, okay. The other one sounds more like uh, your speed run. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> the rowdy crowd. <laughs> yeah, thanks they are. I've, been, I've been there during ghost investigations, and you'll hear like a kick or a slam in one room. So everyone follows like Scooby-Doo goes, runs into that room, and we're trying to investigate that room. And then back from where we came from, the, the you know you hear another kick, kick or slam. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds oh, in- cool. Do you? Do you remember when we did the Molly Molly Malone's Tavern? I think I do. Molly Malone's Tavern in Portsmouth. It was a uh, a tavern, oh, but yes, also yes, yes. a house of ill repute too. So they had uh, what it was. It used to cost three dollars to for a uh, a night, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> and so. What I did is we did the radio show there and, and what I did is took out three dollars and I put it on the, the tables so that it was a trigger device. It was, you know, it was logical. Uh, but, <laughs> but alas, I didn't get any action. So what can I tell you? So sad. I know, poor, so poor, sad. Ron. poor Ron. Well, it, it was you have to put more because of inflation now. Exactly. Oh, See what think were you thinking? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> See, Michelle, you need to problem. come to New England. That's what you need to do. <laughs> that was good. I like that one. See, that was my problem. I didn't pay enough. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, seriously, Ron? Ridolls <laughs> won't give you much anymore. You have to kind of get <laughs> convert it and see what it means. In, like 1790s dollars versus today's dollars. Exactly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, Michelle, um, anything else you'd like to add before? Before we uh, wrap it up, I know, but I will be in um, Sleepy Hollow for the Sleepy Hollow Paracon in October. Oh, excellent! Very oh, that's excellent. awesome. Yeah, we'll have to get you up here one of these days too. I love it. I, I went to I went a uh, chance to visit uh, New England, Boston, and Salem uh, in 2019 and loved it. Oh, you did? Ah. Uh, I was going to do the Plymouth Paracon before COVID canceled it out. Oh. Yeah, COVID uh, put a crimp in a lot of our uh, styles, just put it gently. But anyway, so Michelle, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show. Thank you very much. It was fun. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, Go check out her on Amazon, Michelle L. Hamilton. 
and we got to wrap it up. So uh, thank you very much. Today's show, uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles, uh, the Ghost Chronicles, right here on Tojanet Radio and wherever podcasts are played. And uh, our special guest today has been Michelle L. Harrington. We are brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrick Street, Bethune, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and our good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.